the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. You were sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cut deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. It's the date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And today in studio with me, live, thankfully, is my beautiful bride, Paula. And we're here to take your phone calls and answer your questions. Ladies, this is a day we set aside especially for you. Not only for you, but especially for you. 340-9585 is our number for your live calls. That's 340-9585. You can also call toll-free if you're outside the local area by calling 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. The questions come just as quickly to us through that medium. If you are driving in your car, especially on this cold, wet day outside, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now button and you'll be connected directly to our producer in the studio. Once more, 340-9585. Paula, welcome to the show. Thank you. We had one of those days where we rejoiced with some people that rejoiced and had some sadness with those who were sad. We said goodbye to one of our ladies, Joanne, uh, went to be with Jesus at noon today. Mm -hmm. And that's always bittersweet. You know, it's bitter for the people that are left behind and and hurting, but it's certainly sweet for her and it's sweet for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, we we see you were talking about this this morning. We, We see so much of the cycle of life. You know, uh, somebody goes to be with Jesus and then a baby's born. Mm-hmm. Uh, another family, somebody goes to be with Jesus and, and their son is getting married yeah. this coming Sunday and another person's coming into the family. Yeah. Uh, Joanne is one of those ladies. She's been around for a long time. She was, uh, whenever she was able, she'd sing in the choir. Uh, she had a very deep voice. She was in the tenor section. She was in the tenor section, yeah. so we had her stand next to the yeah. males. And... Um, um, Jesus was uh, a light of my life. You know, when people go to be with Jesus, you, you don't realize how much you're going to miss him. And you just think, um, I'm not going to see that face walking up the aisle to see me anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she always wanted to make sure that I knew she was there on yep. Wednesday nights. Yep. And uh, we're going to miss her, but we'll see her again. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, like you say, bittersweet. You know, I was listening to uh, one of her friends in the other room, you know, because Joanne was already gone with, to be with Jesus, and she was talking on the phone that the friend was saying, she's not in any pain anymore, you know? And so the friends and the family rejoice because of that, and, you know, she is with Jesus, and, you know, though she was gone, we're still talking, you know, to her like she's still there, and, you know, saying... You know, you can't imagine, and you're saying, sorry, I I couldn't really explain to you, you know, how wonderful heaven's going to be, because we really don't know, you know, our little finite minds, and and yet, if she could have come back and said for a minute, Pastor Ron, you are a genius, but you really (laughs) missed it on this one. Yeah, so it's a cool time, and yeah, you're right, you know, the circle 
that circle of life that you spoke about, you know, I'm looking over in another room right here and I see baby Daniel man and uh, it's just three days, you know, he's been counting down to this, this day, you know, since, I don't know, we've known him since he was nine and to watch him grow and um, he graduated from the school here and as an eighth grader he knew he only had four more years before he graduated and he wanted to come back here and, and teach at the academy and he's doing that so we didn't just get to see him grow up from 9 to 18 and then he left. He's still here with us and what a special, I, w I was going to say kid, but he's getting ready to be a mister and a missus. <laughs> so I guess I'm at, I'm still going to call him baby Daniel man, that's just how it is. <laughs> and his new wife is going to be just thrilled with that fact, so he, I'm, I I'm excited. He hit the wife jackpot too. Boy She's did he ever. She is amazing. It, it it takes a girl like Jessica to to fit into that family. Yeah, <laughs> and it takes a girl like Jessica to fit into this family. Yeah. When when I first met her, you know, I fell in love with her. But then as I get to know her a little bit better, you know, went to the the bridal shower. She is ideal and perfect for not only Daniel but for all of us, and that really works out well. Mm -hmm. We're just going to suck her right up into us, and. Um, yeah, she's she's perfect. When, when we started pre-marriage counseling, she said, well, hope you don't get easily offended because I deal with things with humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've never you've never had that happen before, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Paul, I was just thinking one more comment about Joanne's going to be with the Lord. Okay. Uh, you know, I keep thinking all the people that make excuses of why they don't have to come to church. Uh, Joanne would be upset even after chemo if she couldn't come to church. She just wanted to be here. Oh, yeah. And she loved especially the Old Testament, but she wanted to be here. Yeah, Wednesday uh, was Wednesday chemo night. day. Yeah, and so she, uh, whether she felt well or not, uh, she would be here if at all possible. Yeah, yeah. And all she wanted, her prayer starting the week is, Lord, let me help, help me to get to, mm -hmm. to church on Wednesday night. Um, it just I buried her father, or her, her husband, uh, rather, mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and now it'll be her. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, these things happen, but it's a wonderful life, you know, because with Joanne and, and uh, Dana, her husband, we know they're Christians. We know, and, you know, though we'll miss them, mm -hmm. we know we'll see them again. And, and that sting of death just isn't so great, yeah. you know, it, it just, it's just, yeah. Well, our, our prayers go to Brian and Tina. Tina is her daughter, and mm -hmm. Tina struggles with her own physical issues. Yes. And, and, she and her twin brother, uh, Dana, yeah. not a junior, just Dana was there today. So, yeah. yeah. And then Susie, their other their sister, and uh, she's coming into town. So, yeah, it's it's a sad time yeah. for them as far because their mom was just a great mom, and they'll miss that, that mom. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Okay, what's on your heart? Okay. Three, let me see your phone number some okay, more time because I talk too much. 340-9585. <laughs> I got convicted last night. I, I I looked at my watch. I was going too long, and I said, oh, I'm going way too long. I'm sorry. And then I went another 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and I thank for the patience. It was almost like the Lord said, look, if you're really sorry, you'll talk less. Yeah. And so. But so, did uh, you hear me? Because you said, oh, I think I'm going too long. I was like, oh, no, this is good. I, and I still had room on my paper and ink <laughs> in my pen. So go on, Pastor Ron, preach it buddy so anyway I, I i enjoyed it so okay you know as i've been listening to the show this week um a couple of things really have stood out to me and um yesterday you were talking about billy graham you know this yeah i don't i never mind i, I won't say what i had a weird thought today <laughs> but um called to do one thing when he had all of these options but he knew what god had called him to do and he did exactly and only what God um, said, and in a simple and humble way. So I was, you know, I was pondering, called to do one thing. And, you know, we're all called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Paul, once you finish that thought, man, we got a caller, and I don't want to keep running sure, the line. Yeah, we don't want to lose Let's anybody. go to San Antonio. Maria calling on line one. Maria, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, how are you today? We're doing well, thank Great, you. Great, thank you. Okay, um, well, my thing is my dad, my best friend, my everything passed away. I'm trying not to get emotional, but he passed away October 25th. Mm -hmm. And that's been taking it really, really hard. 
Mm-hmm. Marie, you get and emotional question, if you need to. Thank you. My mm-hmm. question is, when it's my turn, is he going to be there waiting for me? I mean, I, he is a, he's a Christian. He was a Christian mm-hmm. and everything, but I keep hearing different things. So I just want to make sure that he's going to be there waiting for me. Or do I go yeah. looking for him? I don't know what it's all about. I'm just so okay. scared. Let, let me help you, and let me tell you what I was speaking to Joanne about today, uh, Maria. Um, the, the moment she was ready to go to be with the Lord, there was an angel that appeared uh, in her room. That angel would have taken her right out of the, the old, tired body that had been broken and, and, and died, and he would have taken her instantly into the presence of Jesus in a new, glorified, resurrected body. When your father um, was at that very moment, at that, that precise moment, the same thing happened. And that angel took your dad to be in the presence of Jesus, and the first thing that, that your father heard was a voice that sounded like many rushing waters. And that voice said his name. It wasn't the name that you know him by. It was a new name that's reserved for all of us in heaven. But instantly your father knew that that was who Jesus was talking about. And he would have turned around and he would have looked into those eyes of, of, of blazing holiness, the sun, uh, that the, the, his face that shined like the sun in all of its brilliance. And he would have been focused exclusively on Jesus. But he also now knows everything. Now, all of that to say this, when you go to be with Jesus, your Father will be there. And he will welcome you into the kingdom of God. Now, your attention won't be on your dad. Your attention will be on Jesus. If you were to look at your Father, he would just, with a smile on his face, be pointing to Jesus. And one look, and you'd instantly know exactly why. So you will be with him. You will be with him instantly. He is in a place where uh, there's no time constraints and um, you will be with him. You will know him. You won't have to look for him. And uh, it's not just your dad, but other people that you knew here on earth. So I hope that comforts you. But that's what we all have waiting for us, Maria. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure, Maria. We're sorry for your loss, but remember always, and I don't mean to sound trite when I say this, but your loss was heaven's gain, and your father received the goal of his salvation. It's what he always wanted, and Jesus got the goal of your father's salvation, too. He got to be with the one he loved. Maria, thanks very much. 340-9585. Father, go ahead. That's another one of those reasons why I love this show so much, um, because I, I love to hear the comfort that is given out and the comfort that is received. And Maria, don't listen to anybody who would tell you otherwise. Who would bring any discouraging news, you know, after your your dad went to be with Jesus? Um, Yeah, you will see him again, sweetheart. You're a born-again Christian, and so is he. And none of us is perfect. And so somebody's maybe questioning, well, he wasn't perfect. Well, no one is. Um, And that's why Jesus had to die. And, And today... Wow. Yeah. I mean, October 25th, as Ron was saying, heaven became richer because your dad went to be with Jesus. Maria, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's what happened. And your dad now really lives. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So. Sorry I interrupted. No, no problem. (laughs) Again, I love to hear the the comfort that people receive from the answers. Um, so we're called to do one thing, and so um, all of us are called to do one thing. And so I, I looked up a couple of um, instances of one thing in, in Philippians three thirteen and 14. 13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the one thing, forgetting those things which are behind, and and so much of our lives is not forgetting, but holding on to those things um, that are behind, and, you know, those things that um, are so easily entangling. Um, And so he says, but one thing I do, forgetting, and then I press 
on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. And so it's a forgetting and a pressing. Um, and, and so all of us are called to let the past go and, and follow hard after Jesus Christ because if we keep looking back to who we were or what we did or what has happened to us in our past, we can't really follow Jesus um, wholeheartedly going forward. And so if you want to, you know, say anything? Well, just, you know, none of us drives our car looking in the rearview mirror. Not the whole time. Well, that's what I mean. And, mm-hmm. and so um, we're looking at the road ahead of us. We're looking at where we're going. And that's what Paul is saying. And, and you are right, Paula, because one of the things that stumbles so many of us in our walk with Jesus is that we're so focused on what happened in the past. Good things, bad things. We're consumed by guilt for the failures in our lives. And all those things have been have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And the only way that we can press on. The word in Greek is agonizo. We get our English word agonize from mm-hmm. it. Paul was straining for the goal. In other words, like a, a runner who finishes the race in a blanket finish and he's putting his head and chest out at the wire to, to beat everybody. That's what Paul's whole life was spent doing. And you can't do that if you're looking in your rearview mirror, spiritually speaking. Um, um, this one thing is a good Bible study, by the way. I might make a message out of it one time, but but um, uh, we were talking yesterday about Billy Graham being faithful in the one thing that God called him to do, even though he had many other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all called to let go of that which is behind us. Um, not live in the past, not hold on to the past, whether it's the good things or the guilt from the past, but just walk with Jesus with an undivided heart. If we will do that, mm-hmm. uh, then we can do some straining of our own, and we're going to hit some finish lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Press on, people, press on. <laughs> uh, another one is uh, Luke in Luke 10. Um, and I'm going to start at verse 39. I was just going to jump to 42, but, well, no, I'll just do 41 and 42. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and soak in and soak up all that he had to say. And um, just, here it is, J-B-W-J, just being with Jesus. While Martha was fussing around, you know, um, trying to make this gourmet meal for Jesus and his, his entourage. But Martha, Martha, you know, she she's so upset. Jesus, don't you care? I'm doing all the work here. Make Mary help me. And he has to, you know, sweetly rebuke her. You know, I, I, I can be a Martha at times. You know, I want to, if it's going to be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it's going to be toasted <laughs> on some really good bread. I'm going to get the best peanut butter I can and some nice jelly, you know. But Jesus didn't ask for all that. He just came to their house. and But one thing is needed, Martha. And Mary has chosen the good part. You can do all the work and stuff later with the right heart, but you need to sit with me and get filled up and, you know, the waters that you spoke of last night, um, the Holy Spirit and, you know, the, just, it, so he, he kind of rebukes her and says, but one thing is needed. So, go ahead. Well, it's just the, the one thing is him, his presence. But, you know, Mary Mary is a great object lesson in Scripture. Mary Bethany, uh, not Mary the Mother of the Lord or any of the other 58 Marys (laughs) in the New Testament. That used to just mess me up so bad. I thought it was one Mary Uh, all throughout the whole Bible. But Mary of Bethany, we encounter her three times in the New Testament. And all three times, she's found that better part. Uh, She's at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Once in her grief, if you'd been here, my brother would not be dead. He would still be alive. Mm -hmm. But she fell at the feet of Jesus. Um, uh, In this particular instance, when Martha was scuttling around trying to make everything perfect for her guests, and of course Jesus was a guest of honor, Mm -hmm. and there was Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's real worship, Mm -hmm. hanging on every word that he says, just wanting to be near him. Mary had a sense, like no other New Testament figure, that Jesus really was going to die. She got it before others, and she knew her time was limited. She didn't want to miss one minute of time with Jesus, no matter how important what somebody else was doing might have been. 
Um, and then, of course, the, 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 the other time was when, when uh, she was preparing Jesus for his burial mm -hmm. and uh, at great personal cost. Yeah. And um, because she was always at the feet of Jesus, she had deeper spiritual insight. Um, you know, we pray all the time, Paula, that we would fall more in love with Jesus every day. Mm -hmm. uh, she really did. Mm -hmm. She understood it and she benefited from it. And, you know, when Jesus left, I'm sure all of the other people around Jesus, whether the disciples who would be apostles or or anybody else, uh, I think Mary is the only one who had no regrets about the time that she spent with the Lord. You know, when when Jesus went away, what did Peter do? Peter, oh, I'll never be able to be used again. He ran to the tomb mm -hmm. because he had so much to gain, nothing to lose. But But he was for a moment hopeless. Uh, Thomas was filled with doubt. The others just were confused. And they would have thought, well, we really didn't know we had such a short time. Mary got it, and she made the most of every minute. And that's something that we need to learn. And we need to make that the one thing in all of our lives, uh, choking out all the busyness. I'm going to preach now, <laughs> choking out getting away from your cell phones and your f computers and iPads, and spending time sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm on a consistent basis. If you'll do that, uh, you will be richer by far. Mm -hmm. And Mary got it. Yeah. Making the main thing the main thing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then one more. Um, when, uh, let's see, Jesus is talking to, you know who this is. He talked about this guy the other day. And this guy says, and he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. So all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. Yeah. So that you still lack one thing and he knew he lacked. Yeah, he knew he knew he was lacking when he came to Jesus and said, what one thing must I do to, to obtain Inherit. eternal life? Mm -hmm. And, and um, um, Jesus strung him along a little bit a little carried away with himself, this rich, young, important person. He's probably tall, thin, and handsome. Probably. Mm -hmm. All um, resurrection hair. And, and, and when he walked down the street, everybody knew who he was. Mm -hmm. But you know what we know about him? We know that he was a fool. We know that he was a fool. He was so close to Jesus <laughs> that he could touch him and ask this question. Good teacher, mm -hmm. why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, that's God. And what the, the, Jesus was saying to him was, you know who I am. So if you know who I am, why don't you do what I say? And this whole story, this rich young ruler, he walked away sad, having chosen his possessions. Now, we had a, the reason I mentioned the other day in, in this program was uh, because we had a call about, about wealth. Is God against wealth? Oh, okay. and, and the answer is no, but, but God is opposed to anything and everything that keeps you from him. And this young ruler was so concerned about his stuff, his material possessions, that he was willing to walk away from the answers that he was seeking and the answer that was given to him by the one he knew was God. And he walked away sad. It just doesn't make any sense to me that people would be that close to Jesus. You know, one of the studies that I like to do um, in, in the New Testament is the people that were so close to Jesus they could touch him. Mm -hmm. um, the woman with the issue of blood, she worked so hard to get through the crowd just mm -hmm. to touch the hem of his robe and mm -hmm. Jesus stopped everything. She thought she was busted. Uh oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the demoniac boy's father, uh, when they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, um, you know, most of those ended up happy. Yeah. The people meeting with Jesus. leprosy, the, 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 the leper, the <laughs> yeah. ten lepers. Yeah, but but uh, only one of them came back mm -hmm. and gave thanks. The 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 man who'd been paralyzed at the pool of Bethesda. Um, Jesus walked right up to him. He walked through the crowd while the rest of the crowd was staring at the water, uh, at the pool. Uh, they missed the presence of God. The the the, the two man? the two oh. thieves on the cross, mm -hmm. uh, equally. Right on either side of yep. Jesus, they they both heard and saw everything. One's heart was changed, the other one wasn't. Why? Because they didn't want to put away the one thing. The, the, the thief on the cross who went to hell? Mm -hmm. Think about him for a moment. 
he was just as close as his counterpart. Yeah. And he missed the one thing. Yeah. And then the man born blind. Man. I love that yeah. one. Because oh. I can relate to him. I don't know much. <laughs> <laughs> once I was lost, now I'm found. Once I was blind, now I can see. Well, it's just, uh, you know, we, we have the opportunity as Christians to be in the presence of Jesus every minute of every day. And nobody is successful in doing that. But shouldn't we all be successful most of the time? Mm-hmm. And when we're not, we should be missing something. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to get to heaven and find out that, that I, I didn't have enough time to include Jesus in my hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute life. Yeah. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that he had so much more for me. And because I didn't focus on the one thing, being with him, mm-hmm. I missed out. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, we don't think about that here. Uh, we have such a casual, distant relationship with the Lord that... Um, we're going to have regrets. We're going to have regrets. Well, you can hear the music. We've got 30 minutes left in the date day edition of the program. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. We'd love to have your questions. The phone lines are open and available. We will be back on the other side of the break. We'll see you in two minutes. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the last half of the program, the Date Day Show with Paula, live in studio. 340-9585. We've got a couple callers, Paula, so let's go to Andy calling from San Antonio. Andy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Sandy. Uh, I've got a question here. Uh, it's actually uh, a friend. A friend asked me this question. Now he heard this on the Discovery Channel. That <laughs> oh. he was asking me if there is a more powerful uh, devil than Satan, and they call him a Dremelech. I don't know. I said, I don't know. I said, I've never heard of that. I said, uh, but I said, I know who knows. So let me, <laughs> let me call this person and I'll let you know. So, uh, you know what? Let, let me just go ahead and hear you on the radio and, uh, okay, we'll be fine. Thank All you. Right? Andy. appreciate Thank it. You, yeah. There, there's Ezekiel 28 makes it clear. There's no, um, more powerful angel fallen or, or saved. Uh, than than Lucifer was. Uh, Michael, the archangel, is his counterpart, his equal. But um, uh, there, there's there's no other one. Uh, the Discovery Channel is a terrible place to get your theology. Um, you know, when you, you listen to the higher critics on the Discovery Channel, those with PhDs, um, doctors of theology at our leading universities, uh, they're unsaved men and women um, who are looking for an excuse to to say there is no God and to make a, try to make the rest of us look like fools? But Andy, you can tell your friend um, Satan is by far the more powerful. However, and this is what I would focus on if somebody would ask me a similar question: the power that Satan has uh, is infinitely less, infinitely less than the power of our Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the creator, the creator of all things, including Lucifer, the angel of light who decided he wanted to be God and wanted worship and fell from grace. Uh, but, but Jesus is infinitely greater. And if we focus on him, then we don't need to worry about it. Um, you know, your friend, to ask a question like that, my, my biggest concern, Andy, would be that he is not a born-again believer. And um, I would I would uh, try to encourage him to open the Bible and meet Jesus. Um, and you're not going to meet Jesus looking for powerful demons. You're going to look meet Jesus by looking for Jesus. And I would recommend to him John chapter three. Uh, this uh, God that you referred to, uh, Adrimelech, uh, was nothing more than an idol made by hands. He was a form of the sun god uh, Ra, worshipped by the inhabitants of 
of uh, those who eventually became Samaria. He's referenced in Second Kings chapter 17, but he was nothing more than an idol. All of the, the, the false gods, Dagon, Molech, all of them uh, were nothing but, but, but stones or wood fashioned by, by uh, the hands of men. And, and obviously that means instantly we know that there's no power uh, there, not at all. Andy, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Let's go to Johnson City, Texas now and talk with Wes online, too. Wes, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. Hello, Paula. Hi, Wes. Hi, Wes. <laughs> Listen, um, I've got a direct question, and uh, maybe we can, uh, we can um, take it from there. That question is, do we have to put God first to be saved? I mean, of course, we should put God first, but we don't always do that. There's things that get in the way in everyday life, and I see these other people, family, friends, and they're believers, you know, such as myself. But I notice that oftentimes we don't put God first, even though Mm -hmm. our hearts desire to do that. And uh, I know we're not saved by performance. We're saved by grace. Thank God for that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, you know, I'm concerned about other salvation, maybe a little too much, when I should yeah. be concerned with self and where, I, where I'm at, you know, with God in relationship. And uh, when I f- first came to God years ago in my teenage years, God was doing some wonderful things in my life, and I turned my back on God. I am a true particle son because I left, I turned my back intentionally on God and went back into the world. And then 30 years later, he brought me back to him through a time of brokenness. And I wasn't looking for God. He reached down for me. And I heard him say three things in my mind. And it was put him first, find out who this Jesus is and find a church. And I did that, and he healed me of my broken heart spontaneously. And that was 20 years ago, or excuse me, about 17, 15 years ago. And anyway, that was my question, putting God first. We we can handle that, Wes. Thanks very much. It's a great question. And and I love that you said you're going to ask it directly because there's nothing other than a direct answer. Uh, you are right. There are a lot of compromised Christians. I think initially of Jesus's two letters, one to the church at Ephesus and the other to the church at Laodicea. In Ephesus, mm-hmm. he said, you know, you're doing all this work and, and you, you look like you're Christians, but I have this one thing against you, one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have forsaken your first love. Um, and so they were serving him out of duty. They were serving him sort of out of muscle memory instead of serving him with, with their whole heart. And Wes, you're right, that happened to you. It happens to a lot of Christians. In the letter to the Laodicean church, he said that uh, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold. In other words, you're a lukewarm Christian. And heaven, according to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Uh, Heaven is going to be populated by people who had other priorities in their lives. Um, Abraham, I guess, is the archetype here. Um, um, God gave Abraham the gift of all gifts. His son Isaac, in a miraculous way, as Isaac grew up, uh, Isaac became more important to Abraham than, than the giver of the gift was. And that's when, in chapter 22 of Genesis... God said to Isaac and told him to sacrifice his son, his only son. Abraham had to make a choice. And God will work in all of our lives. When you said you see other people that put family ahead, uh, that happened in Jesus' own family. His mother knew who he was, and yet his mother and his brother and his sisters went because they thought he was crazy. They went to, to kind of get him away. And Jesus said, who are my mother and my brother and my sisters? And then he pointed to the crowd, said, those who do the will of my father. So we're always going to find people who fall short. And you're also right, Wes, in that at some points we all fall short. Uh, I go out and talk with the Lord and and I'll spend some time praying with him and and, and I'll go four or five minutes. um, Something will come into mind and I'll be thinking about that or talking to somebody else or planning a meeting that we're going to have later. And I have to shake myself, say, Jesus, I don't want to talk to them right now. I'm here to talk with you. And, and then I'll pray for the people, 
But but I want to get focused right back on Jesus. So here's what we have to do. If you are a true believer, the desire is in your heart and the instinctive knowledge is in your heart that you know you need to put him first. When we don't, the Holy Spirit's going to knock on the door of your heart and he's going to remind you that you're forgetting the one thing that Paula talked about in the first half of our program today. And then you're going to have the opportunity to repent and come back to him. But to be saved, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son, that he was crucified, he didn't stay dead. You have to repent of your sins and ask him to direct your life. Thankfully, as you indicated, Wes, you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. If you're a believer, you you have to want to be. And and just too many people just blow it off. And in fact, Wes, sometimes with Christians like you and me, people will say, well, you don't have to be that radical. I'm going to go to heaven and, and Jesus is fine. I got other things that are important. But those are empty, miserable lives. And Jesus created us all. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says that we were created to worship God, to please him. There's no other reason for our lives. And when we're not doing that, then we're the ones who are missing out. And Wes, the one thing that you can do, the only thing you can do, is to stop focusing on other people's salvation and and, and only work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And by that, every day, keep your account short with Jesus. Every day, rush to be in his presence. And every day, listen for the voice of God who wants to lead you into places that you can't even imagine you've gone. So, Wes, I hope that helps a little bit. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Do you want to add anything for Wes? Uh, I was just, you're so cute, Wes, because our heart is, a de- the desire of our heart is to please Jesus, and he knows that, and yet we do fall short. I love that he doesn't get um, upset and angry. He just kind of lets some, some circumstances happen that remind us, oh, yeah, I need to love him first. <laughs> <laughs> and Wes, don't misunderstand this because you've called enough that we know your heart. But one of the things that helps me to remember is when I'm thinking about other people and wondering whether they're saved, that's those times that I'm falling short. Yeah. When I can point out the Lord saying, hello, look inward. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Joe calling from San Antonio. Joe, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, guys. How are y'all? We're doing, doing really well, great. Sweetie. Did I say I love your new Hi. haircut? Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if Pastor Ron's seen it yet. Have you? If I did, I didn't recognize I you, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so um, my question is, it's interesting, right before you picked up my call, you were talking about um, kind of looking at people wondering if they're saved. It's kind of like that. Um, so I think you guys know by now that I come from a family where everybody Everybody says that they're saved, but there's no repentance. There's no relationship with Christ and and hardly anybody, you know, and and there's no fruit at all. And so when I try to tell people in my family about Christ, a lot of them are like, leave me alone. I'm already saved, you know. And so um, how do you guys respond to those kinds of people? And um, because I've been caught in the trap before of saying – well, you know, you'll know them by their fruit. But then again, I get hung up because, you know, again, we're not saved by performance. So can you all comment on that? Sure can. Thank you, Joe. And I can't wait to see your new haircut, so show me tomorrow night. <laughs> okay. Remember that. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> uh, Joe, a couple of things. You know, um, when, when you said everybody thinks they're saved, of course they do. You know, we're so focused on ourselves that we don't think heaven would be heaven without us. <laughs> and so what we've got to do is is we've got to, in those moments of clarity, we've got to examine our lives um, to see whether or not we're in the faith. That's what Paul says, we're to do it every single day. Um, you remember that uh, when Jesus was talking to uh, the Jewish religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, um, they said, we're sons of Abraham. And, and Jesus' reply to them was, your father's the devil. Now, I don't go that far yeah, yeah. When, when people say they're saved and they're living like they're, they're, they're decidedly unsaved. But here's what I do, Joe, and, and um, it, takes, it takes serious time for conversation. They have to know that you really are doing more than just judging them, that you're, you're really wanting them to be in heaven. Um, and so here's what I say when somebody says, well, I'm a Christian. 
And, and my response is, well, how would anybody know? How could I know you're a Christian the way you're living your life, the way you're talking, or the things you're talking about? How would anybody know that you're a believer? So please take the moment to explain to me what makes you think you're saved. And their answer is, I'm a good person, or I try to do more good things than bad things. Or they will say, well, I answered an altar call. I got saved at a Billy Graham crusade or some other thing. But, but that's just a, an eternal life insurance policy that's never going to pay off. So what we've got to do is make them think a little bit more about the way they're living their lives. Have you ever lived even one minute just for Jesus? Well, what makes you think you are? Where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church. I don't have time. Well, if you were really saved, you'd want to be around God's people. Mm-hmm. You're really saved. You'd want to use the gifts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the idea is to make them think rather than point a finger and accuse. And I know that's not your heart, Joe. But rather than, than, than that, we, we want to make them think. I want them to leave the conversation that I'm having with them saying, well, I thought I was saved. And I want them to really think about it. Mm-hmm. If if they made a profession of faith, I can tell you God takes that seriously. Yep. And God will use you asking those questions to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to say, well, wait a minute, I know you answered an invitation, but, but what makes you think you surrendered your life to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And And we've had people come back and get saved because we were that direct with them. In love, they knew we were concerned, but in most cases, Joe, they didn't feel judged. Yeah. And see, that's what Sunday's study was about, uh, not judging a book by its cover. Um, but we have to judge the behavior. And like you're saying, you know, kind of call people out on that in a, in a loving way. You can tell that story about Mike in California who worked with me at the carpet store, living with a girl, living with a woman for seven years. And people were asking him over and over again, is this going on in your life? Okay, you tell him. <laughs> Mike, Mike was one of those guys that everybody likes. He's just a really charismatic, likable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, successful. Didn't made a lot of money. And and um, when I, I was saved, I was in Bible college. Uh, he was so excited that I was saved and so excited that, that God was going to use me. And he would say to me, he would say, well, well, Ron, and this is long before I was pastor, Ron, he would say, Ron, would you, when you go to Bible college, you give me some money. He said, would you give me some, some Christian T-shirts and Christian hats mm-hmm. and, and all those things? So I would bring them home yeah. on the weekends when you'd come up and get me. And uh, my <laughs> one day... Uh, Our older son. Yeah, yeah, in fact, our son was, was working Who's, there. Who wasn't saved at yeah. the time. Uh, he let me know that Mike and his girlfriend were living together. And so I went to Mike and said, Mike, I have these T-shirts and hats for you, and I've given you plenty of others, but my son just told me that you're living with your girlfriend, you're not married? And he said, yeah. And, and you could see he was downcast immediately. He said, yeah, I am. I said, well, well, what makes you think you're a Christian? And I said, worse than that, you're telling everybody else you're a Christian, and I'm aiding and abetting the crime. <laughs> I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me all those T-shirts and hats that I gave you back. And he said, why? And, and I said, because real Christians can't live the way you're living. And you're telling people, and all those people know you're living with this woman, and they know that you're just a hypocrite. He, they didn't really know. They kind of knew, but he'd been telling them mm-hmm. that, no, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, even at church, he was going to church, not, <laughs> not, uh, not with us, but he was going to church. And when people would ask him, he lied to them. He lied. But he couldn't lie to me. You know, one of the things that God has given me a gift. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> this is almost from the, from the moment I got saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody can lie to me. They try, and I look at them and say, come on now. And they'll just break down. <laughs> well, he looked at me and said, well, I don't know what to do. And I said, uh, Mike, if you're really saved, you couldn't live the way you're living and have peace about it. And he looked at me so seriously. And he said, Ron, I haven't had a moment's peace in the seven years we've been together. And I said, well, then what are you going to do about it? Yeah. He had a lot of physical issues that was caused only by the stress yep. that was in his life. But, but when I asked him what he was going to do about it, Joe, he said, he said, well, I know what I need to do, but he didn't do it. And it went on for years. And then years later, um, uh, here in San Antonio, yep. our church was just getting started well. Yep. And he called me, he said, this one, you know, this is Mike Perry, and I, I, I never forgot our conversation. 
And he said, I want you to know that I married that girl. Now we're pregnant with another child and our life with the Lord is just great. So he was a real believer. Mm -hmm. He had no peace, but he was delaying obedience. And at some point, uh, the Holy Spirit won the wrestling match. And uh, uh, I'm sure and certain that Mike and his family are still serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, they're in California, so I don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we're God's instruments to use to correct people, not to judge their hearts or their motives, but to correct people when they're living a lifestyle that contradicts what the Word of God says. We need to know um, that we have the right to go to people and say, God loves you. I want you in heaven. What makes you think you're a believer? So joy, and that's, you know, that's never going to change. And by the way, just so everybody knows, I got half the church filled with people like that every Sunday. Yeah. So does every other church in town. Yeah. Um, We're the church at Corinth, but but they were all believers. (laughs) Um, But they were miserable. The the man or the woman who's quenching the spirit, who's walking uh, uh, separate from Jesus, that's the most miserable of all people. One foot in the world and one foot in, in the family of God just never works out well. Yeah. And usually they're they're kind of hard, you know, like like Joe saying, Hey, stop talking to me. Yeah. You know, I'm a Christian. But in that in that study from Sunday in verse four, the end of it in my notes it says, God is the one who alone changes people. Some quickly, some not so rapidly. The problem is, um, is not full surrender to the one who wants to change us. Yeah. And I also said uh, on Sunday, Paula, uh, that uh, my experience, my personal belief is that God will change everybody as quickly as we let him change us. Uh, he wants to consume us. Mm-hmm. And if we will be consumed, we will change. You can't truly meet Jesus and not change. Yeah. And then when we sort of, as Wes pointed out mm-hmm. in his call, mm-hmm. Paula, uh, when we turn our back on the Lord, uh, what happens is that we, we get so empty. Um, I, I can't describe how empty we get. We get so empty mm-hmm. um, that we know that he's abandoned us. Now, he hasn't really left us if we're really his, but we've left him. Yeah. And in the process, we've simply got nothing um, left to give. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to talk to us, but since we've walked away, and he's—I'm sure he's like, psh, psh, you know, hey, hey. But then after a while, there's silence. All—all all he wants is for, like, with West to turn yeah, around. Yeah, he, he loves us so much. If when when uh, if we don't answer the, psh, 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 mm-hmm. he starts thumping us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he makes it hard for us to walk away. Yeah. And and uh, what I tell the church all the time is that the more often you say no to the Lord, the easier it gets to say no the next mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Our hearts actually get hard. Yeah. Um, Ezekiel's stony hearts turn to hearts of flesh. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we need to, to do. Yeah. We've got four minutes left. Okay, home. now that you're talking about, you know, if we turn away from him, that stony heart. But the uh, opposite is when you turn back. Like we have a young man in our church oh. that... He's been here since he was preteen, I think. Well, way, way before preteen, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's been in and out, getting harder and harder, looking in, in the consequences in his life were getting more and more dire. Well, in like, I think he said this about a, like the last year and a half, he's finally surrendered to the Lord. And to see the light come on and the fruit that is coming from his life now is just an amazing thing and you know that the scripture that says um, to be able to comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received he's now turning around to these hardened hard hard people and saying but man if you just will you know trust Jesus let me pray for you. <laughs> Let's go for a ride. <laughs> and it, it just it just warms my heart because it's like Co- what? Co- Cody's like Jacob. <laughs> Jacob. He walks with a limp. I mean, he's he's been through that wrestling match ringer. Oh my goodness! But uh, if you if you just could have seen the hug he gave me last night, it, it's and it's so genuine and so warm. Mm-hmm. And the last two people you'd ever put together in the same room hugging would be me and him. Mm-hmm. And yet. That's the heart that Jesus has given him. And and God will do that for anybody and everybody who turns to him. The problem is, as long as we think we're okay, and this gets back to Wes's and Joe's questions, 
as long as we think we're okay, our hearts only get harder. Yeah. We've got to realize that there's nothing in us that's any value has any value at all apart from Christ, and and that we're going to mess up if we get any distance between us. And when we really believe that, that's when we start to depend completely on him. Mm-hmm. Paul, you need to talk. We got two minutes. You need to talk about the women's retreat coming up. Oh, yes. It's going to be here before you know it. It's two weeks from today, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I got stuff to do, Pastor. I got to go. <laughs> but anyway, bye. Um, yeah, the women's retreat uh, two weeks from today at Camp Buckner. And the theme is abide. And I, you know, I was laughing with the Lord this morning. Lord, you're so funny because you do promise that if I will abide in you, you abide in me. And whatever I ask that you will give, you know, not a new car or anything or a new husband or anything. No, not that, Pastor Ron. But, you know, whatever I need, I need some knowledge, I need some wisdom, I need some patience, you know, I need peace and, and joy. And he just gives that. And so abide is our theme. So any lady who might be having questions about, well, one, am I saved? You need to be there so you can get saved. And then two, you know, Lord, what's next for me? And... And, and what do I do? What is your will for my life? And it is to abide with him, him in you and you in him. And um, like our vice president said, you know, I, I seek the Lord and he hears my cries. And because I know his word, he speaks to me, not audibly, you know, but he speaks to my heart. And as we abide with the Lord, he will speak to our heart as well. So please come. It's March 8th through the 10th at Camp Buckner. Call the church, calvarysa.com. Yes, get online and order your T-shirt right away because that ends. You can still come to the retreat, but I want you to have a T-shirt too. So you got to get that done. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Paula, thanks for being here. You were brilliant and beautiful. Pretty good combo. (laughs) You've been listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock to take your phone calls and answer your Bible questions on AM 630, The Word. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.